everyone, my name is Dal Wortham, one of the hosts of the Charter School Connection podcast. In this episode, I have a very fun, interesting guest, Mr. Brian Straka from New West Charter out in Southern California. He was a history teacher that, in this episode, he brings up some really fun, creative ideas to connect students with learning, and he talks about the importance of making that connection for them to really learn. Then he gives some feedback and some advice in regards to growing a charter school and the importance of building a community within that school. So without further ado, let's go ahead and listen to this wonderful episode and conversation that I had with Brian Straka from New West Charter. We'd like to thank our sponsors, obviously Charter Connect. You plus Charter Connect equals more students. Whether you are in the cycle year after year of struggling to reach enrollment goals and wondering, is this gonna be a good year? Is this gonna be a bad year? Are we gonna have enough students to fill our classrooms? Or if you're doing actually pretty well with enrollment, but you're just looking to stay on top of the rest of your competition, schedule a free marketing consultation with one of our enrollment specialists. We've helped hundreds of charter schools across the country to make enrollment issues a thing of the past. So go ahead and schedule that free marketing consultation by visiting charterconnect.co and our new enrollment software, Enrolio. Enrolio is easy, simple, and it automates your enrollment so that parents and students slip through to your enrollment process and into your school. There's no need to be spending a lot of money for all these really expensive um, enrollment platforms and third-party tools just to lead to disappointing enrollment. So go ahead and go check out Enrolio and schedule your free demo to learn how Enrolio can take your enrollment to the next level. Without further ado, let's get to this podcast episode. Thank you so much, everyone. This is Dallin Worthen with the Charter School Connection Podcast. Today is March 6th, and I have a guest that I'm just now recently getting to know, um, Brian Stroker from New West Charter. I'm excited to have him on the podcast um, after just briefly doing a couple, you know, comments and getting to know him a little bit more before recording. Um, he mentioned a couple of things that already makes him a unique guest to the podcast. So without further ado, welcome, Brian. Hello, everybody. Thank you very much, Dal. Yeah, thanks for being here. So, Brian, let's start off with the first question that we ask everyone is, how did you get involved in education and how did you land in the charter school world? Oh, man. Yeah, great question. I uh, did not study to be an educator. I was actually a sports anchor and like a news anchor. Um, right. then, so you're I know, right? <laughs> totally. But um, realizing, I think when I was like a senior in college, the thing that sticks with me that I tell every student I have is that your job is not a job, it's a lifestyle. And I really didn't connect that of like, what is a lifestyle of a TV journalist? And it's a terrible, terrible lifestyle. <laughs> um, it's way too much work. It's very little pay. It's no holidays off. It's a very doggy dog industry. Uh, and so that's sort of left me like sort of disillusioned after a year or so. Mm -hmm. uh, throughout college, I've been working at a summer camp out here in California. And so really loved working with kids, uh, was really good at it. Um, and so I just, it sort of felt like a natural pick was like to take that into like a more professional uh, approach. And that's why I enrolled in a teaching school. I was obviously a huge fan of history, loved history. It's my minors in history as well. Um, and so I was really drawn to the classroom and 
my very first job was at the school that I am currently working at, New West Charter. So I just answered that. I had no idea what a charter school was. Never had heard of a charter school because I'm from Colorado. We have them there. I know that. Um, <laughs> but I was never privy to what it is and found this super tiny school um, that only had like 250 kids. Work with a lot of awesome teachers. A lot of still, I still work with some of them today, which is crazy. 20 years later, they're still here. Um, and so the charter world has been awesome. I found it to be sort of like this sort of us against them mentality. Um, I don't have a lot of the external sort of hostilities against the districts because like we're all trying to do an impossible task. So I don't ever see a need to like bash what districts are doing because they do a lot of awesome things. But the charter world really fit for me because I'm very much uh, like see it and do it. If it needs to be done, do it. And I think if I was working on a district, there's a lot of bureaucracy to go through to do it. Uh, so that's why I'm glad I found my school who is completely open to like any crazy idea I've ever had. They fund it, they let me do it. Um, so from like, like we take kids on international trips. Uh, we used to have this awesome civil war day where we like dressed as civil war characters and like fought each other. And <laughs> we had a really cool Ellis Island simulation that took the entire day and kids sort of walk through what an experience of an immigrant was like. And so I just look back and everything that we've done, the program I started now is like completely out of nothing. And I don't think if I was at a district school, I could do as much of the cool things that I've done as quickly as I've done them. That's for sure. I love that you gave those examples. Um, those are so unique. I've never heard of any of those examples actually being done. So. Oh yeah. It was, really I really cool. missed Civil War Day. Yeah, like I really miss being a history teacher. Quick story, so like Civil War Day, we have this giant park by our house. Um, I got into Civil War reenacting for like a weird two years. And so you meet a bunch <laughs> of these very different types of people. And so invited them down. So everyone was in like full Civil War gear. Um, uh -huh. There were different stations. So like we had like nurses there. We had like the the plight of like black soldiers that were there, just like regular infantrymen. Mm -hmm. The coolest thing was we made uh, found a company that makes fortune cookies with like customizable fortunes. And oh, so nice. we at the, the the end of the day was like our big battle. And so every year we would take a different battle, but statistically have the same results. With a uh, we only had a hundred students in our class, and so. One was like the Battle of Gettysburg, which was something like 70% casualties. So like we start two kids on opposite ends of like the football field and they crack open their cookie, read their fortune. So it's either like you died of a gunshot wound, you were injured, you survived. And then they would run at each other. And then by the end, there's like a handful of students still standing. And it's like you were the lucky ones that like didn't get shot. But like, you're missing a leg, you're dead. Um, you would die of an infection later. So it was like really interesting thing to see. Oh, I've so, thought about that in years. That was good. Brian, please keep those stories coming because um, that's what people want to hear is unique experiences like that. And how did your students react to that? Oh, they it was like a huge highlight of the year was, was Civil War Day. Because then it was like after that, it was like, it was good to see that kids could like see statistics, you know, like when 98% of their brethren are like lying on the ground. And if you got like, cause we always like, please like act this up. So like, if you were shot in the leg, like scream, your leg has been shot. If you were dead, just be dead and be quiet, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's just really cool to see the reality. Cause I think history is so tough. Cause it's just like all of this happened and it's like insane to think about, but no one has the reality of the situation. Mm -hmm. um, so that was really cool. I think that uh, is really do. cool. 
Yeah, it was really whenever, neat to see. Whenever they give like a, a statistic, like so and so, oh man, this amount of people died or whatever, I'm like, okay, what does that mean? And they're yeah. like, oh well, it's like you could fill Lambeau Stadium or Lambeau Field with that. It's like, what does that mean? And like the numbers don't make sense until like you see like, oh wow, like these are my friends and like the percentages and being able to see it. So I thought that was a super fun idea. Yeah. And it was like, whatever that was times like 70, like that's how big it was. So it's just, kids are just like, Oh, that's insane to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That was a great day. And then we had this like live firing demonstration, which like the neighborhood absolutely hated, but we were like shooting <laughs> like infield rifles. Someone had like a two pound, uh, like a two pound artillery piece that they brought, which was like the biggest boom I've ever heard. Um, so it's just cool, like make it real, you know, that kids could see and touch stuff. And the coolest thing we started doing in high school, we had like a World War II day. So like I'm a massive collector of like World War II memorabilia. Like my grandfather fought in the conflict. I have a bunch of his stuff. And so mm-hmm. I just realized like how much stuff I have. So we made a day where it's we just set out a whole room full of artifacts. I don't know if the World War II Museum still does it, but they have this really cool thing called Operation Footlocker which was like, they would send you like a World War II soldier's footlocker full of artifacts that students could touch and handle and like read about. So we just set up this huge day where all the kids got white gloves for every class period. And they would go around and just sort of like make sense of all these different artifacts. And then they would have to choose three to write about that they, so like one was like a personal thing that they connected with. One was just like an interesting or intriguing thing. And other artifact was something you had a question about. And so they would do these sort of like this brief little write up about what things spoke to them. And it's just so cool to see like, what do kids choose that like speaks to them? You know? And so you have like some really hard students that like were kind of not like they didn't cry, but you could see like it was emotional for them to read like this letter that I have that was written by a guy that ultimately died. Like he didn't make it home from war. And it was a letter that was sent to my, grandma's friend they both were nurses together and so like that was the last letter she ever got from her from her boyfriend who was killed like the next week and so it was just cool to see you know it's good to like put a like and like emotion into learning and i think that's what a lot we miss out is like you have to have some connection with something if you really want to learn it you know i don't know who said that everyone has said that it's a known fact we now have science to back that up but yeah if your kids aren't feeling something they're not learning something that's for sure that boom mic drop there you Um, go so so ryan you did you start as a history teacher then i did yeah so i started as an eighth grade history teacher for like seven or eight years Uh, our school opened up a high school so i started teaching a 10th grade became like the lead teacher of our 10th grade Mm -hmm. then after that year i just became the principal of our high school because there was a lot of weird things happening. And so they needed somebody just to be like a solid person. So that's how I started get. that's how I got into administration. It was not like a choice. It was mm-hmm. like, who can lead the high school? Then like everyone points at you. And you're <laughs> like, oh, I guess I, I don't know if I want this job, but I guess I'll do it. Um, just try to help out the cause. And what was that transition like from teacher to administrator? Oh, like absolutely brutal. Like I, I look back now and like how bad of an administrator I was. So like I, <laughs> Worked in our traditional high school for two years. We graduated our first senior class. I took a break from education and went to like the summer camp outdoor ed world for two or three years. And then I came back, but it was just um, like, there's not really a lot you can do to prepare someone to become an admin. They just have mm-hmm. to 
fumble through it and it's sometimes it's like very ugly how you're fumbling through it and but i look back now and it's like i would love to have tackled the challenges i had in 2016 knowing what i know now it would have been far different of an outcome for some things what what are some things that you would have maybe um handled differently or or if you could go back in time and say hey brian this is me from the future like focus on this or prioritize this, what advice would you have given yourself? Because I'm sure someone that is listening to this episode is maybe in Brian's shoes from 2016. Mm, Just run. I don't know. Um, (laughs) I think it's tough making a transition from teacher to administrator because Uh I think my biggest piece of advice is like, don't ever forget what it's like being a teacher. And I'm glad in my new position, like I still taught a class a couple years ago. So it's good because like it's so much, like it's so much to be a teacher and to be a teacher now, like through the pandemic and everything, it's just like, never forget what that's like. And every decision that you make, like, please have your teachers in mind. Um, Mm -hmm. And there might be some things that you have to do with your teachers in mind that they're not gonna like that. But like, I still thought of you guys and this was like the best crappy decision I can give you right now. (laughs) And this was the best one, Uh Um, but yeah, never lose sight of that and then like you got to set boundaries. I think that's one thing I didn't understand. Cause as a teacher, it's like, were you a teacher too, Dal? I'm not. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So you get it. So like as a teacher, like you do literally anything for kids. Like there's a, there's not a whole lot of like boundaries you set with, at least I didn't with my students. Like if you need help, I'm going to help you. If something goes wrong, like we'll figure it out. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. I think as an administrator, it's, it can be tough when like your students don't see there's a boundary. It's like, like, I still want to help you as best I can. But if you do something like I can't help you now, you know what I'm saying? Like, if I was a teacher and like, I don't know if you had something you shouldn't have had, like, I can work with you to make this better when we go to the administration. But now, like, I am that thing. And that's what that's what has sucked sometimes when it's like, I can't help you anymore. And this is the consequence of this action that you made. Um, same thing too with teachers. It's like, because then you can get into some sticky situations where some staff might think like he cares us more than them or he's helping this group more than that group or he's biased all history teachers because he was a history teacher i don't know it can be all those things too so just sort of making sure that what people see is actually what is happening Mm because that's the other thing too it's tough about schools is people's perception is the reality right so what you make visible is what is believable i say um and so the more you can do it to show people and like as transparent and open light as possible that what you're doing is for the benefit of students first, the school second, and then everybody else is sort of third because we all work here. And that can be a tough thing for adults to hear. Like, yeah, you know, like I'm going to support a kid sometimes more than a teacher. And like, that is kind of my job. Mm-hmm. And that's a tough line to draw sometimes. No, that, that makes sense. And I'm going to ask you a question that doesn't have a right answer and probably people will debate it and that's okay. Um, but my question to you is, do you think it's um, it's important that someone before they're an administrator that they are a teacher? Yeah, I think absolutely, right? Because I think if you look back on like traditionally what the principal was, the principal was like the best teacher, right? That was, so like first and foremost, like you should be skillful at instruction, at curriculum, at making people better at their job. Um, because if not, like all of your problems are amplified. Like if your teaching staff is not quality, if they are not doing good things, like you are overwhelmed with problems that are like very easily solved in an effective teacher's classroom. So I think 
that's something that really weirds me out too is like when you meet other administrators and they're like yeah like you know i was a, I was a teacher for two years and got into admin i'm just like i have you know nothing after two years right i left after 11 years as a teacher and i still feel like i could have been doing way more you know and so <laughs> it's a tough line but like there are some of those people that are just sort of good at being a manager too you know that don't need the practical experience of being a teacher to run an effective school i just don't i don't know if i ever could because it's yeah. such a complicated job being a teacher so if you don't really understand that like uh -huh. how are you going to support 70 of them now yeah so do you happen to have maybe some advice to someone so maybe someone's listening to this podcast and they go okay brian that's great but I'm already an, a director of this charter school. I've never been a teacher and I don't have time to get 15 years of teaching under my belt. What would, advice would you give to someone that's never been a teacher about running a charter school? I think before you, like if they are just new in the job, I think taking as much time as you can to understand like what's going on in your school. Cause I think too often a leader wants to make their mark as a leader and like that could be a change or an addition or but you know was that really necessary i think the more time you can spend really understanding what's going on the better it's going to be for i think your teachers to like have trust in you that like that you've got their back because you understand what they're going through but like you can never know too much about what's going on in your school so i remember I don't know if UCLA still does it. They put on this like new leaders symposium. I think it's every summer. And like you go and stay at UCLA for like a week and there's just a bunch of workshops you can go to. But the one biggest thing I ever took out of that was like when you're a leader, like never walk in a straight line. And I still sort of use that today. Like if I have to go to the office, like you can walk down a hallway and go look at a class. You know, like there's so many other things you can do to stay connected to what's happening in your school. Because like I don't know how other schools are set up, but ours are set up where it's like, all of the admin are like in the front of the building and like the rest of the school is like just taken up by like a school, right? So you can just walk down the admin hallway all day and like never connect or see anything that's happening, but like you're, you're missing out on everything that's happening in your school, you know? So always take a direct an indirect way to get to where you want to. So you can, you might see something that you don't. And I think one other thing that I ask my staff a lot is like when, especially when you come to do like evaluations and those things, um, cause observations, like no matter how great they are, it's still just like a snapshot in time that you might have like six observations a year. So it's like, okay, six hours out of the, how long is a school year? 2000 hours or something like that. Like that's a tough call to make a determination on someone's effectiveness. Right. Uh -huh. So I always like having teachers, like, tell me one, one thing that you're proud of that I've never seen before. And I think you get some of the coolest things that teachers are doing that they have never said anything. Um, and then like, go and see that, you know what I'm saying? Like, see those things. So I think the more, I think the biggest advice, cause a lot of your job is about like evaluating your employees and like, are they effective? And so I think make as many systems as you can to catch moments of brilliance that you possibly can so you can get like a more well-rounded picture of like what a teacher is actually doing because um, nothing's worse than like because i remember my classroom like i was doing a thousand things and you saw two of them you know what i'm saying and like you're making a judgment on two things uh -huh. and one might have been a bad thing you saw that like i'll never do in class but it just happened that day mm -hmm. um so as much as you can like have outlets where teachers can show off what they're doing in class i think it's so awesome to see fantastic awesome and let's say that I am, I think this is a great advice, by the way. That's why I'm going to keep, uh, keep prime because I, I want more. Um, 
I'm a charter school director. I'm trying my best to stay connected. I'm trying not to walk in a straight line, like you said, and zigzag and be connected with the school. All this uh, is all good. And we're focusing on connecting students to what they're learning. How do we grow this place though? Like, that's my question. Do you have any advice for someone that's like, this is all really good and I'm trying my best. How do I, like, how do I get more enrollments or pack my wait list or we eventually want to move to another campus or or maybe not even grow physically or in numbers but like we want to grow our mission statement or we want to grow it could be qualitative as well um how would you help someone who's wondering about how to grow a charter school and you can take this in any direction you want yeah i think i'm the most weak at marketing and like how do you find more kids because i think anyone listening to this probably is facing the same thing. Like the kids just aren't there. Right. And so we're, we're pulling from like an incredibly smaller pool. And I know that's one thing new West is, um, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's definitely an issue that we're trying to face. Like we've had to market ourselves for the first time in a decade, uh, which is crazy to think about, but <laughs> I'm very bad at that. I think once I have your child, they're not leaving. I know that for real. And I think if you're trying to like grow your school, either, uh, at like ethically or more of like a purpose driven thing. I think the more, the more feedback you can get from your staff and the more buy-in you can get from them, like what do they, cause the teachers know like what's good about a school and what's not good about a school. Right. And I think as a leader, we take too much on of trying to like improve something when there might be a hundred small things you can do that every teacher has a hand in doing, you know? And so I think one of the best things we started doing was professional developments. We, uh, would look would look internally like what are the great things that are happening here that our staff can sort of teach others and so we've tried like have you heard of like the unconference have you heard of this method of doing things the unconference so like, yeah an unconference so an unconference is like uh, picture any professional conference you've gone to right there's a yeah. book and there's like session one has all these different sessions so an unconference is like exact opposite is like a completely unstructured conference and so. At the start of the day, you might bring your entire team together and you might have like big pieces of paper on the walls where people can write on it. And we could say like, uh, you can frame it one of two ways. Like what's going exceptionally well for you, you in your classroom that you wanna teach others? And so they might drop those ideas on different pieces of paper or conversely, like what are you something that you're struggling with that you want help with? And then once you, you have everybody sort of put ideas out there and then once you can start to see like, all right, that should be a class, this should be a class, that should be a class. Um, take 10 minutes, sort of organize, here are the sessions we're going to offer today, and then have, have, have people sign up for that. And so let's say at 10 o'clock, you and me are struggling with classroom management. So we're going, great, we're going to go to the classroom management one. So in that session are eight people that all said we're terrible at classroom management. So you might uh, do it one of two ways. Unconferences oftentimes have no visible leaders. So like within the session themselves, it might start off with them just like voicing their concerns, their frustrations. Here's what's happening in my classroom. Oh, I have that. Here's what I've done. So it's a huge way of learning from each other. The other way of doing it is once you have your sessions, then you have like your leadership team or your department chair, like whoever, like your best of your best teachers, be like, great, who's taking what session? And they're just going there to just like facilitate a conversation where here's like strategies I know will be working. And then every 40 minutes, you just sort of rotate to like a different class that people sign up for. So it's like a very unstructured way, but you find in there some things that you might not have ever had a session on. You might never have gone to something on. So it's just a way that 
if you have no money for PD, this is like the uncon. Look it up. Like look up unconference. There's a whole yeah. unconference thing that like a whole consortium of unconferences, uh, and it, you can run it any way you want to. But the the sort of the ethos are all the same. Like we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what sessions there's going to be. And the cool thing about unconference is this like call to action. Like because one thing we hate about going to conferences, like you sit down and within ten minutes, you're like, this is nothing I thought it was going to be, and now uh -huh. like. I'm that's leaving early um unconference is like that's the whole thing within five minutes if you're not connecting like you are forced to leave and go find something else that either you can you can contribute to or you can take away from mm -hmm. and i think it's great so then you'll start seeing people like move around more and i i just think it's, it's like more when we've done it the teachers have said it was like a better use of their time because it was solely focused on what they wanted to do which i think was a great thing so unconferences are a great way and, and then from that then you can like dictate for the rest of you the PD like if so many people were at like classroom management strategies like maybe that should be something that's like in all like the all staff PD that month will focus on these various things and then then you can tap your staff like all right now that we know it's a month away who wants to really create like a solid 45 minute seminar that teachers can go to with like resources and handouts and practical advice um, so from that, 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 that's been really, and I think from that, you start to learn, like, what are your staff really good at? How can we harness that to make the school even better? Or like, what are we really bad at that we need to get better at quickly because all of our success, so like classroom management is an easy one to pinpoint. Like mm -hmm. no one's good at that. Your school is going to be no good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, those are some fundamental things we all need to have before we can start to teach. I think that's awesome. In the show notes of this episode, everyone, I'm going to be including some links to some stuff that I find about unconferences. And this is why I love this podcast, because I've never heard of an unconference before. And the whole idea is to get new insights that people maybe have never tried. So if you're interested in learning more about that, check the show notes um, and do your own research. Like Brian said, you can Google search it. Super interesting. Totally. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. That's a, that's a yeah. really insight. It was cool. I, I got it from like the summer camp where I went to a summer camp uh, convention and they had like an unconferencing two hours. Uh -huh. I was like, that sounds ridiculous. Let's go to that. <laughs> Let's figure out what that's all about. Yeah. Very cool. And you did say though um, that you are really good at helping students stay. And I think that is another big thing. Um, as a marketing agency for charter schools, we feel like we're pretty good at getting students in the door, but it's hard sometimes when we're pouring water into a bucket that has a hole in it. And uh, charter schools are saying, oh, our enrollment numbers aren't up. It's like, well, you've got 50 more enrollments this month. Where, why, is it, why isn't your total enrollment going up? It's because students are leaving and it could be because they're moving or because they just wanted to go to a school where their friend is, or they want to play maybe a, a high school sport and maybe their charter school doesn't offer that. There's a lot of different reasons, but what do you do to keep students at your school? And I'm going to add a second question. How do you connect with the parents as well so that the parents want to keep their student at your school? Yeah, I think with students, you have to, I'm just going back to that like feeling thing. Like mm -hmm. um, I come from a, a summer camp background and like everything about summer camp is like relationship first, everything else second. And I think a lot of, like I'm seeing more of that in schools now where we do care way more about the student as a person versus the math student, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so I think fundamentally when I hire teachers, that's like my one big thing is like, I need people that love kids that can work with kids uh, mm -hmm. before like a math teacher, 
you know what I'm saying? Obviously a math teacher is so important, <laughs> but it's like, if you are a brilliant math teacher, but like no one likes to be around you, like there's not, that's like not a lot of learning is going to happen. So I think yeah. what do you do to build that with your teachers? And I think that can go a lot of different ways. Like I hope it's cool to see, like when I do some things for our staff, it's cool to see that in the classroom then. So like at every sort of PD we have, we always start off with like, 15 or so minutes of like, here's a weird game you can play with your kids. And it's cool just to see that when you go into a classroom or you go into like an advisory that they're actually doing those things. So I think, I think how we approach our staff is very similar to how we want our staff to approach students. Like awesome. we work with you, we get to know you, we help you out a lot. Uh, we plan like fun outings for like the start of school. Like this year we have like a huge like bowling tournament. Uh, we're going to a Dodgers game in just a few weeks. Um, so like having those things that you plan for your staff like throughout the year are super important. Um, everything with our staff has food, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, that's such a small thing for people, but like everyone's been to a PD with no food. It's like, ah, what are we doing here? It's after school. So like our line item on catering is stupidly expensive, but like I want to be at a school that feeds their people when we're asking more of you at the very least, you know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. And it's cool to see teachers bring that in to like the classroom. Like so many teachers have like giant snack boxes and like, you know, so it's like those tiny little things are sort of what I think, yeah, like the culture that you develop with your team, your team will sort of affect down into students. So it's like, like, I don't yell at teachers. I don't publicly reprimand them. I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't go out of the way to try to make their day difficult. I say hello and good morning to everybody. These are all things we want our teachers to do. So the mm -hmm. leader should be doing it like in mass, like every single day. Um, for New West Plus, so like my, my program that I oversee, we only, we're a school within a school basically. So we have our own teaching team. We have about a hundred students. And so we really are like really focusing in on like, what makes New West Plus different than New West Charter? And I think a lot of students that we get coming from New West Charter that opt into our independent study program, New West Plus, the biggest thing I've ever heard them say is like, it just feels different over here. But I think too, like it really starts with our, with our teaching staff. Like all of, our, all of my teachers come from the summer camp world, which is like a weird coincidence that happened but I will never not hire summer camp teachers ever again. They're the best. <laughs> they just get what I'm trying to do. Um, but we set up like all these different systems. So like every student has like a mentor. So like there's 25 students to one teacher mentor. Um, we created a mailbox system because our kids don't come to school every day. They only come, they have class, each one of their classes meets once a week. So they might be on campus one to three days a week. Um, so we don't see them every day. So we invented a mailbox system and we have probably well, like five to 10 different sort of like pre-made postcards where it could be like uh, amazing contributions today or like great teamwork. And so students can send those messages to each other. Teachers will send messages to students. Uh, every student gets a birthday card to put in their mailbox on their birthday or we, we mail it to them if they have like a summer birthday. Um, we plan like weird like talent shows and open mic nights. Um, food's really big here as well. So like on Thanksgiving, we have like a Friendsgiving. So like everyone brings like a potluck dish and we just sort of like, we don't have class for an hour. We just sort of hang out and eat with each other. Um, so anything you can do, like those are things that have nothing to do with academics, but have everything to do with your academic strength, I think, right? Because once kids know that like, this is my home, these people care about me, they're coming to school, right? And so they're not, they're not there for math. They're there for us and their friends. And we get that, right? Um, but algebra is what you get as well. So that's a, that's a nice little counterpart. 
but I think the more you make your space inviting, welcoming, the more they feel like it's their home, like everyone wants to go home, right? So like make it comfortable for them to go home, right? So anything you can do to show you love your kids, anything you can do to get them to show how much they love their school as well, I think is a big thing. So like student ambassadors are big at New West Plus because we have like tours coming through, parents, new students, and it's cool to have, we have a core group of probably 10 students. We can always go like, hey, Nashla, new student. We like make sure they're connected and they're like, yep, we got it. And so they take ownership of it because they were once that sort of outside kid, you know, and now they're like on the inside and they want to share that with other people. Uh, I can't say enough about our kids. We have the weirdest, most brilliant, loving, caring, honest uh, students. And it's it's like, it's a joy every day to work with them for sure. That's fantastic. And um, how about like, I mean, I'm sure you have some really good ideas with parents because I think the students, like I'm, I'm just like, yep, ticking all these boxes fantastic how how do you make sure that i mean obviously students are going to go home and talk about how much they love their school and if students are happy parents are going to be happy but um what do you do to connect with parents so that you know because a lot of charter schools said yeah our biggest thing is word of mouth and word of mouth is huge um it will always be the reigning form of marketing um so how do you, you get that connection with parents so that they send their first student and then their second child and then a third child and then they invite their friends to come. How do you, how do you do that? I wish I had like a sentence where I'm like, this is what we do. Um, Cause I think <laughs> since the pandemic, I think that's one thing we have struggled with a lot is like, we used to have a lot of parent connection, a lot of parent engagement. Pandemic happened, then like returning to school, there were no visitors for a number of reasons. And so I think we're in the beginning stages now of like, what does that look like like pre-pandemic. And so I think it's been great. Um, so we do all like the, you know, parent-teacher conferences, open houses. We do all those things that like all those schools do. But I think that's one thing we're trying to get back in. So we started a series called It Takes a Village this year. Um, we have a great DEI department and a great counseling department. And so we started this uh, It Takes a Village. I didn't do it. It's all them. Praise to all of them. It's great. But it's every few months and just focuses on either like a different uh, parenting problem you might be experiencing, or it focuses on like groups of people. So like last week was just focused on like our African-American parents. The one before that was just focused on our Latino parents. So having them build connection first with each other, I think is super important because it was the first time a lot of them were meeting each other um, and sort of getting that back into the habit. Um, I know in, um, we do, um, we're starting to have like more uh, events that we're inviting parents onto campus for. So like next month we have our comedy night we haven't had since the pandemic, which is great. Um, So like parents are invited. We have like real standups and improv from LA come. uh, We have a student improv team that performs. We have teachers that are brave enough to get on stage and perform. Uh, And that's a great thing. Parents, parents come to that. That was like one of the biggest things that they came to before the pandemic. Um, but I think, uh, anything that you can do that like, gives parents a voice in something. And I think our school is great on like getting parent input. We send out like a lot of surveys to parents to figure out what's going on. So if they're not like coming to campus to events, like, I hope they at least know that they, like they are heard in some way. A lot of the changes that we've made or a lot of things that we have kept have been from like either like parent positive, uh, comments or parents like, you know, critical feedback about, this doesn't work. We should change this. I'm like, we're, you're totally right. We should do that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but I know, like, I think a lot of schools are struggling with it now too, especially after the pandemic. Of, like, what are some 
authentic things we can do to bring students in here. And it was great first time ever this year. So like we have a, our school is six through 12, um, but we've never had something for like our eighth grade parents. Like we just assume you're staying at the high school because like it's great and your kid's going to graduate and 90% of you go to a four year school, but we've never once gone like, Hey, eighth grade parents, you want to know what happens in high school? Uh, we just assuming that. So we had a series of tours over the course of the week for eighth grade families to drop in. Um, to like see the high school in action. So like it was during class so they could like peek in and see what's happening from like ninth through 12th grade. Cause I think some parents want to see like, even though my kid's just going to be a ninth grader, like what happens in a senior classroom? I have no idea. So it's cool to sort of take that veil away so they could see everything that's happening. It was very, like very positively received, very well attended by our eighth grade families. Um, so that was an awesome thing to see as well. Um, yeah, I think those are the biggest things that we're doing right now. But I, I just think too, it's like you said it, too like i think the more your kid goes home and talks about school like that's what parents gonna go like oh you love that school all right we're leaving we're going to the district <laughs> school down the street no one likes this i think the best compliments i get from parents are like my kid comes home and like talks about school like that's never happened before mm -hmm. um or like wants to be at school and they don't have class like we have kids that come to campus just to do work when they don't even have a scheduled class and i think that says a lot too well no, that's fantastic very, very cool. And so, Brian, um, is there anything else that you would maybe like to say, like a question that I haven't asked, but maybe you have an answer to, or something that, an insight that you'd like to bring up, or a story before we, we, we wrap up? Oh, wow. Because sometimes I cut off the interviews and I'm like, oh, they probably had so much more. <laughs> uh, is, there, is there anything else maybe in your pocket or up your sleeve that you'd like to share with us? I think just I, whether you're a teacher or a school leader or like a student, like just do it. You know what I'm saying? I think we get caught up so much in like, oh, it's against ed code, I heard. But like, I forget what stat I heard. It was at a presentation where someone's like, how, how many times have you heard in a school? Like, we'd love to do that, but it's against ed code. I don't know where he got this stat from, but he's like 60% of the time, like that's just completely made up. Like no ed code exists to support why you should or should not do something. And so that's when I was like, oh yeah, we're just gonna do it, right? So the program that we started, like New S Plus, like we just did it. And I think we get so caught up in like potential regulations or what are people gonna think or how are we gonna do this or fund this? It's like, just do it, right? There was a great guy who runs the, I think it's the green machine. It's out of Brooklyn. He's like an urban farmer that works with schools. I saw him talk at a conference and he's done like insane things. Like he started his own hydroponic garden that employs his previous students. Like he's giving fresh produce to like inner city schools in Brooklyn. And he just did it. Like, I remember it was weird. I was going to the bathroom and he was in the urinal next to me too much. I know. <laughs> uh, but I was like, weird time. What's your advice? And he just goes, do it. <laughs> I was like, That's all I needed to hear, sir. Thank you. Uh -huh. uh, and I think it's true. We get so caught up in, you know, like, is this going to be approved by the school board? You know, if I had a nickel for every time I did something without like an administrator signing off and saying I could do it, I would have a lot of nickels. So I think it's easier to beg for forgiveness than ask for permission, as we all know. Um, but like, if you're really doing something positive, either for students or for teachers or for the community, like how bad of an idea is that actually, right? So just go and do it. If you have an idea to make something better, just do it. There's always time in the day somewhere. 
I think that's great. I, I feel like, to be honest with you, I, I speak with, interview, work with hundreds of charter schools all across the country. And the ones that are doing well and they're not struggling to fill their classrooms and they are expanding, they're growing, they're meeting their goals. They're the ones where I say, let's do this with your marketing or um, let's try this. Or they say, hey, let's do this. And they just kind of make it happen. And they're not so worried about like, what's the the fifth and sixth and seventh step? They just, what's the next step? And then they just worry about that next step. And the ones that are like paralyzed and are kind of like not able to grow are the ones like, oh, well, why should we even try if we don't even know if we can do this, 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 or that? And, and they think so far down the road, it's like, whoa, let's cross that bridge when we get there. Like, what is, yeah. what's the next best step we can take right now with the knowledge that we have? And so I think, yeah, I think that advice is great. So thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, you are welcome. Yeah, for sure. And then if, if there's anybody listening, so you can feel free <laughs> to put my email address. Like I have awesome. had help from hundreds of people that have made me a better educator and leader. So like, like that's always for anybody. If you, I, you steal anything from us, do it. I'll give you any paperwork we have. Like it is all about trying to make a better America, isn't it? Yeah. Fantastic. Well, we will, I'll include your email then in the show notes so that people can maybe reach out to you for more uh, clarification or ideas or questions, but that's pretty much all that I have. Um, thank you so much for your time, Brian, for, for your insights, for, and not just for your insights, but also for just being an awesome history teacher and an awesome camp counselor and an awesome administrator. Um, we need a lot of those. So um, everyone feel free to reach out to Brian, go visit um, New West Charter. It's, I believe your website is just newwestcharter.org. Um, .org, yeah. But it'll also be in the show notes so that you can check out everything that they're doing. And just thank you for your time. It's, it's not easy to give over your time when you're a charter school administrator. So thank you so much, Brian. You are welcome. And thank right, you everybody well. listening as well. All right, we'll see you later. See ya.